Hello, welcome to Cold Pizza. My name is Rusty. I'm a pastor here at Christ the Lord Church in Dayton, Ohio. This is our weekly podcast where we take the opportunity to squeeze out every last bit we can from the proclamation of God's Word on Sunday. It's our chance to sit down with the preacher and tackle any further questions, applications, or other bits of leftover crust to chew on that didn't make it into the main meal. So grab a slice and join us this week with Pastor Matt. Hey guys, what's up? To be back here in the chair with you. I had a good vacation, but I'm excited to tackle this Melchizedek stuff. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> last week this? was last week was or this past week was much easier. This upcoming week, for whatever reason, did not uh, did not hit me as quickly uh, as last week did. About this, we have much to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This week's sermon was titled "Fire Your Impotent Priests." <laughs> From Hebrews 7, 1 through 10. It was originally fire your priests and priestesses, but that was a little too long. That is. So. I have that in here, and I'm not sure that I spelled it right. And priestesses, uh, just, I, I kept misspelling it. You priestessi. Like Melchizedek. I still can't spell Melchizedek. <laughs> Heard from some of the children uh, how their teachers were struggling to pronounce the <laughs> name as well. <laughs> uh, one of our members uh, uh, told me that their child... Every time I'd say Melchizedek, would hear Mount Kizedek and thought that like Jesus was a mountain, and they were confused. I'm like, well, it's good. I, I'm <laughs> Mount Kizedek. <laughs> Mount Kizedek. Uh, Mel. I uh, love it. I love it. It just means they were listening. I mean, that's fantastic. True. Those are things I wasn't worried about in my sermons that now I am. So. <laughs> Mount Kizedek. Not to be confused with. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just like that, not to be confused with Antichrist. Uh, yeah. Please, please don't confuse those two. Yeah. I I wanted to tackle a few of those things. You know, from, you, know when I, you know, when I say those things, I'm just telling people where my mind goes. Like, well, that's where mine got my, my mind goes. Honestly, that is half of the battle when you're tackling some of those things. Is like, we're all thinking it. Let's just talk about that elephant real fast. Like, yeah, real we, quick. Shoot it and push it, put it down. <laughs> yes, yes, please. So the different points that you had for us, and we're going to tackle some components of these uh, today, is that Melchizedek, or Christ, is both king and priest, mm-hmm. uh, a dual office. That righteousness always preceded peace. Uh, then uh, the the namesake of the title, uh, fire <laughs> your priests and priestesses. And then finally, consider the greatness of Jesus in an exclamatory fashion. Yes. To consider, look, behold, the the greatness of Jesus. So uh, I think that it's super helpful in just unpacking that passage and helping walk us through that. And there's a, a ton of application because this primary call of, of righteousness is so just in your face. It's just prevalent. It's very easy for us. It should be to grasp a hold of that and say, yeah. okay, what do I do with this now? Yeah. So many things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, you had to set that in the context of uh, the kind of passive be at peace, the false understanding of be at peace with everybody oh, yeah. that we've been lulled to sleep with. Yes. Um, you know, just a general agreeableness, niceness, be at peace with everybody. Like, that's what's expected of a Christian. It, kind of taking that lead a, a peaceful and quiet life verse as though like that's that's the way uh, what what that means is 
you and I should never stand up for what's right and true. Mm-hmm. We just need to go about, go to work, keep our head down, do our business, and then go home. And doesn't um, have anything to do with like <clears throat> gossip and uh, slander and self promotion <laughs> and things like that, right? Yeah, yeah, nothing to do with that. Yeah, you're allowed to do that. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I think you got to set that in that context uh, where. Um, which I think this is important for all these things, anything that we say, really, particularly in preaching, when we're thinking of what we need to do or what our temptations are to think, we've got to think, well, what what is the cultural influence pushing me? Mm-hmm. Because that's, um, like, if you don't know which way's upstream and which way the water's coming from, then you, you're not going to be prepared. So if someone says, hey, we're going to go from this point to this point on the river, and they don't tell you that the water's coming from the point to which you are going, then you're not going to be prepared because it's going to be 15 times harder to paddle up Upstream. the stream. Yeah. So if we're being told you need to, uh, to uh, that righteousness is required before we can have peace, well, currently that that pursuit is is like swimming up battle or up upstream rather. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need to know that, but it's not like swimming upstream just because there's lots of unrighteousness. It's, it is that, but it's also like swimming upstream because you've been told not to do that. Yeah. Yeah. You've been told, (laughs) you've been told just go with the flow, Mm -hmm. you know, just make sure in your heart you're not sinning. Yeah. Right. But just go with the flow. Um, just, just, just don't say too much, you know. Speak your voice at the ballot box. You know, make sure you make sure you do there in in the nice, quiet, synonymous, uh, you know, or uh, uh, anonymous rather uh, moments where no one can, where you can just be peaceful or, and quiet. or dare call it Christian. <clears throat> yeah. So yeah. I, yeah. I, that's super important because that's the whole aspect of recognizing your presuppositions and bearings um, to know where you are, where you're going. I try to do that. in most of the teaching I do is like, all right, what's your current understanding of this? And do you realize what that is? <laughs> right. <laughs> so some people know nothing about it and know they know nothing. Some yeah. people know nothing about it and think they know everything. Yeah. Even to where I was with our DNA leaders yesterday and had a great meeting with them, but I'm like, let's kind of start at the top. Like, how would you define discipleship? If I say, go and make disciples, how are you defining that? What what is success for you and being yeah. able to do that? Yeah. It's like, oh, we, we all kind of know what we're doing. It's, you know, the four G's and repentance and faith, right? <laughs> yes. But can we do we recognize where we're at? And and so that that orienting of yourself is super important mm-hmm. to the culture. Yeah. Not necessarily because we worship it, but saying, hey, you know, biblical truth is transcendent, but it's a lot in a vacuum. Like yeah. we're we're here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you got to know what's fighting against that. Uh, you know, so what does um, it look to be faithful here? Yeah, that's right. Well, two real quick thoughts before we get into that. You uh, you mentioned like what is discipleship, and something I've been thinking and chewing on, and and Sarah and I were talking about the other night. Um, that I think the idea of culture, that word, is helpful in the context of discipleship because you see both of those components, uh, or you see the idea of of culture in the Great Commission, where Jesus says, go and make disciples. Well, Jesus, uh, I think most churches just stop at make disciples, which then allows them to define making disciples however they want to, right? Absolutely. 
Well, but he doesn't just say make disciples. He says, go make disciples, teaching them all that I've command. Okay, so then I just got to tell them the commands of Jesus. So so I think better, healthier churches are going to go, okay, well, I, I need to teach them what Jesus has commanded. Well, but that's not all of the Great Commission there either. It's it's how to obey all that I've commanded. That's the that's the, so how do we interact with the truth? How do we when we're walking in Deuteronomy six? How do we when we're walking down the road? When we arise? When we go to sleep? When we're sitting at the table? How do we obey then? That and and then you get the passages like Titus two, teaching the young men self control, the women to be keepers of the house. See, what that, what are all those? That's the how to obey yeah. all of Jesus's commands. And what blows my mind is those same churches will be like, well, disciple, it means follower. We're making followers. And so we just follow Jesus, followers of Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, well, what does follow mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? What, what, what does it mean to follow Jesus when... Most people follow Jesus like they follow Twitter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and are discipled as such. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, it it blows my mind, the the application of those specific pieces and it is culture. I mean, that's I didn't use those phrases, but that's what I'm asking of them. Yeah. They were talking about intentionally doing spiritual good to others to make them look more like Jesus Christ. That's culture building mm-hmm. in essence. So Yeah, absolutely. So faithfulness in, in that kind of context, though, is going to cause some dust-ups. And you brought up the point um, <laughs> that God's faith, faithful people, they go to war with pagans and those kings get slaughtered. And that shouldn't sound shocking to us having just walked through Joshua. Right. I, mean, I mean, I'm in Psalms right now, so yeah. this is like fresh on my mind. Like, sure, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, David is lamenting when he doesn't get to kill all of them, right? Like that's uh, yeah. So it was more of an aside in my because it wasn't like the point of the passage. Well, it's but, not the slaughtering; it's the death of culture. Yes, a figurehead yeah. of culture. It's it's the it's the death of anti God. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's what Abraham had just done. And my disclaimer would be that Christ the Lord Church does not in any way support the assassination of cultural figureheads. <laughs> you, just just the things that they produce. You know, as I said that in my sermon, I thought, should I caveat that that I'm not um, <laughs> I'm not advocating for. Uh, like physically going out and assassinating, uh, you know, some uh, president or something like that, yeah. and and then I thought, yeah, I'm just gonna keep going. Yeah, most of them are good enough at their own character assassination. <laughs> so, yes, just keep not advo- not advocating for that. No, no, we don't. At least not yet. No, but you can set all the stuff that they do on fire, not literally, <laughs> or maybe. Eventually. <laughs> Depends on what they produce. <laughs> Go back to like the CD breaking and burning of our youth days. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think an important piece for this, though, is like this type of culture figurehead death, king slaying death, doesn't have to look national. We are in and among culture here. Yeah, yeah. And it's just... It's just simple resistance. Like, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, it's as easy as that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I think, and even going down a little further to go a little more local is um, slaughtering the pagan king that's ruling in your own mind. Mm-hmm. 
um, when your emotions are out of control, putting that pagan king to death. Saying no. Saying no. Um, as, as the father and leader of your household, um, casting out the pagan kings that have, that have made their way into your home. Uh, and going and finding them, like you should be looking for them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I did that on the way here. I got done talking to our roofing guy, and I have to pay some money for it, and so I wanted to stop at Taco Bell on the way here for some comfort food. <laughs> and then I I started that direction, and then I kept driving, and so I'm still what? fighting that right now. Ah, uh, uh, the urge for Taco Bell. I want some nachos, bad some comfort nachos. <laughs> so, well, I was I was on my way here, and I had a desire for taco bell too so maybe it was in the air you know tis the season so <laughs> Man, i had pulled pork nachos you know our, our beloved crossroads went out of business oh, yeah. up in fairborn right that's where we discovered pulled pork nachos well legends uh warped wing has pulled pork nachos they did not pay me for this advertising nope, spot but i'm right. gonna have to find excuses to come to springboro so thanks yeah yeah pulled pork nachos <laughs> it's it's those simple fights right like they don't even have to be good. It can be Taco Bell ones. I'll be happy. Yeah. But those are but, the the personal type of idols, and they're they're here every day for us to just say no to. Yeah, yeah. I, I you you heard it in my sermon yesterday. You heard it in the parenting class yesterday, uh, and here I am saying it again. But I just I, particularly the husbands and fathers in our in our church, um, they have let pagan kings into their homes, and they got to get them out. Mm-hmm. They gotta get them out. Yeah, I mean, there's just uh, their their kids, um, the, the gospel, the next generation, all that is at stake. Mm-hmm. And um, and and the thing is, and I hate to, I hate to say this. Um, no, I, no, I don't hate to say it. Um, <laughs> I I'm gonna say it. I just wish it wasn't the case that I needed to say it. That's what I hate about it. Um, but there are some obvious pagans, uh, pagan kings in a number of the households in our church that um, I don't know why the patriarch of those families can't see it. And that, that like, it bothers me. Well, this is a, maybe a tip of the cap to uh, some future podcasting that we're going to do here, but when you're in the service to a king, it makes demands on your whole life. And yeah. once you're in that kingdom you're in it and like that's the same like what you just said is the whole beginning of pilgrim's progress like these people are in the city of destruction as its name and they don't want to leave yeah some do because they recognize it's not so great in the city and so they're in they they live out in the country a little bit Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but they still see the city and they still bear the marks of the city and they still get destroyed at the city yeah that's good and you're just like why won't you come on? But they're pliable and you just don't see it. Yeah. I just like, would you just turn your head just a little bit more to the left? You know? Well, that's, I think, why scripture is so much called darkness and light. Like the illuminating component of the spirit with the scriptures is what cures blindness. Yeah. So, yeah. Which, which leads, leads us right into the next item. And that is, um, when there is unrighteousness there, then there, then, Whatever you think you're enjoying that you're calling peace is not peace. Mm-hmm. It's not. And but but here's the deal. I, I do think in some of those situations, I think those those heads of those households know that there is unrest in their household. Like they know it. I think they 
I think they're convicted of it. I think they, I, th- I think if I have any discernment, um, like physical, visual discernment here, that I, I feel like I can see it on their face. Um, I, and, and so I, I think they know, they know that something's not right. Um, I just don't, I just, I can't wrap my brain around why they wouldn't do, any, some, do anything about it. Um, and I think I mean, my best, my best, my best stab at that is, um, that they have grown too comfortable with and too acquainted with our good friend, fake peace, sentimental peace. Uh, you know, if I can just come home from work and I can just make it through the evening without there being a blow up or there being a cross face at me, or if I can just happy wife, happy life. Yeah. Yep. Or, you know, my, my, uh, kids, if I can just get through without there being anything crazy, um, you know, uh, then, then, then it's a good night, right? If I can just get through so I can sit on the couch with the TV on my kids in bed and they just leave me alone. Like, and then I can get up and rinse and repeat and then throw them in sports on the weekend. So I further don't have to deal with them. Um, you know, I, I come home and if I could be an encouragement to some of those, to some of those men, your work day doesn't end at five. Mm-hmm. Your your job to pursue righteousness uh, doesn't start Sunday morning at nine and then end at one thirty or whenever we get done. Uh, your pursuit of righteousness is all day long in your workplace, and that job of working and building and conquering doesn't stop at five. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you should fully expect to have to work as hard or harder when you get home. Again, I've brought this up before. This is one of the chief things I think that I have taken away from and love about Martin Lloyd-Jones is his insistence on calling people, us, Mm -hmm. Christians. You're Christian. Everything about you is Christian. So you don't, you're not, you're not a a data entry person. You're not a repairman. You're not a a pastor. You're a Christian. And so what you do during the day is Christian. Yeah. You're going to do it Christianly. Yeah, you know, um, Abigail Dodds uh, wrote a book, Atypical. Um, Sarah and I are listening. I think she's done with it. I'm, I'm about halfway. Uh, and she has a chapter in there called Holy Woman, like W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy. And, and she's working through in there that, that whenever a woman does anything, she doesn't do it merely as a human, but yep. she does it as a woman. Yeah. Just exactly. She's doing it as a woman. Mm-hmm. You're a woman. It's the same thing for you and I. I when when we do things, uh, I I do it as a man. I'm doing this podcast right now as a man. Um, and so yeah, what you do as a Christian, it doesn't matter what you're doing. So, yeah, I just. The, the idea of fake peace and what that looks like. Um, did you have any additional examples of that? Anything? Of what? Like, oh, what would the, what could we be whole... calling peace that is oh, not? Peace thing? I was going to say, we, we turn our, on the, the identity thing. We adopt all sorts of identities all the time. And okay. that's why I think we pursue those 
only and to the extent of where they're bracketed. So, yeah, I've, I'm done working at five because I am this thing. Or if, if for our youth and kids, if they're in sports, like I'm a football player. <laughs> I don't remember which Ohio State quarterback it is. I know some of you remember. Uh, no, it's Cardell Jones, I think. He's like, I didn't come to school. To, to, I didn't come to Ohio State to play school. <laughs> so He's a football player, you know. So his entire identity is bracketed on the turf, you know? Yeah. And so when we adopt whatever that identity is, it's it brackets us into that. And so then it's easy for us to shirk our responsibilities and those other things. This mm-hmm. is all just a new religion and worship for us. Yeah, that's good. That, that's idolatry. That's good, yeah. And it, and it goes back to our anthropology of who we are. So yeah. that one's all over the place. When it comes to the fake peace, though, I think because of whatever that idol is, that is ultimately what we're going to then serve on this peace side. Mm-hmm. And so if I just view myself as provider, which is one of your responsibilities, well, that ends at five. And so everything after that should not cause me unrest. Yeah, see, that's the... Yeah, no, I, no I, I'm with you. And but what I'm thinking there is like, but even your definition of providers wrong. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's not just the money. <laughs> it's not just money. I I'm to be the provider of theological instruction and clarity for my home. Mm-hmm. I mean, how about that? Yeah, or one of the other podcasts that we listen to talks about the husband particularly being the wall. Yeah. And so it's that screening kind of picture that you talked about on the nine o'clock class. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that screening kind of prevention of keeping stuff out, but also that protective one from within where people can and your family can lean up against it. Like that's all provision too. Yeah, it is. I, so, yeah. Yeah, if you're going to uh, fight against this fake peace thing, um, I think one of the the best ways to fight against fake peace is to realize that what I said in the sermon is that Peace is not just the absence of war, mm-hmm. but it's the presence of righteousness. Oh, yeah. And and here you're like, okay, well, Matt, how, how do you, where do you get that definition from? Well, I get that definition from the gospel mm-hmm. because the cross and payment for my sin is not enough to get me peace with God. I also have to have his righteousness. You know, the fancy term is double, double imputation. I, I My sin placed on his back is only half of the equation. Neutrality. It's just neutrality. It gets the, that's the, there is no longer war, mm-hmm. right? That's just the absence of war part of the equation. <clears throat> but then there's the, uh, I have to have his righteousness to enter into his presence. Mm-hmm. And that is uh, given to me. Um, that is his, the, and then, and then together those things give me peace with Mm -hmm. God. Um, and as we'll talk about in the sermon in this upcoming week, like that, the goal, and I'm going to press in hard on this on Sunday, that the, the, like the goal and like the maturity, mark of maturity for a Christian is not a relationship with Jesus. It's the presence of God. No, I thought it was a personal relationship. <laughs> it's it's not even that garbage. Okay. It 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 is drawing near to God. Mm-hmm. It is it is being able to be in His presence and sit on the throne He's prepared for you and I. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's the goal. 
that's the that's why he says there in verse 19 that so that we can draw near to God like that's that's the uh, uh, mark of maturity that's the aim those are the things David's longing for mm-hmm. uh, our relationship with Jesus is part of that but it is not the it's not the climax of that it's not the it's not the end-all be-all we've made it the end-all be-all yeah. just go you know have that quiet time so you can have that personal relationship with Jesus and blah 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 and and uh, and then what happens a bunch of people who start chasing after that um, as though that's the end that's the the, the golden calf and then they make it into a golden calf, and then it doesn't deliver, and then they wonder why their Christian life sucks. So I have to deconstruct. Exactly. When, when no, the, the, the goal is that, is that through the blood of Jesus, we now have access to God. Mm-hmm. We have been brought near to God. And that's an objective reality, whether or not you and I subjectively feel that or not. <laughs> that's where I went with. So there's nothing to deconstruct communion. if that's an objective reality. Now, if it's just all based on your emotions, well, then sure, you can tear that apart all day long. Well, that's that's where I went with communion. Is like when you start talking about that, then what you have is a sentimental relationship with Christ. You're the one he says. He says, oh, I don't know you. Well, I did all these things in your name with mm-hmm. with you in relationship with you. No, you didn't. I don't know you. <laughs> yeah, but I did it feeling really good about you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. I did it gospel centeredly. Awesome. You ate Taco Bell feeling really good about it too. Well, I, yeah, Taco Bell makes me feel good. And then you feel then you deconstructed afterwards. <laughs> this is true. Just like there is uh, no double meaning. Just like you do there. with the <laughs> the golden calf. Yeah, eat it and poop it out. Uh, yeah, I was one other parallel to the movie that i referenced um all quiet on the western front uh, the german like military kind of commander guy uh is it's drawing near to the end of the war they're getting ready to go into armistice germany's losing and he's basically starting to just kind of freak out having this identity crisis is like i don't know what else to do i'm a soldier yeah and he complains he's like i was born 50 years too late because there's all these other wars that he could have fought in but this is the one and he's losing it and so was having this identity crisis meanwhile he's thinking i don't know how to live in peacetime mm. right i'm basically an incomplete human he's having to reference mm. uh, I, there's there's coming to this point where at the end of war i can't fight anymore and neutrality doesn't do me any good not only are we neutral but we're at peacetime and so what am i if I'm a, I'm an incomplete human because I don't know what it means to be a soldier in peace. Mm. I, there's there's no further component for me, let alone the fact that throughout the whole movie he's been living this decadent lifestyle, like with these table spreads like crazy. Meanwhile, all of his troops are in the, the trenches of World War One, mm. starving, stealing geese from you know the farms nearby and and, and trying to you know slonk eggs whenever they can. Wow. It's just completely out of touch. And I think that that is 100% where we find so many of our particularly men, but a lot of Christians mm-hmm. just don't know what all this looks like. Yeah. You're not actually in the war, man. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. Practically pursuing righteousness before peace. If righteousness is required for peace to happen, true peace, and I, and I think if we would just pursue righteousness, then the peace will come. 
a true peace, a deep peace. Well, because so you even, said that when we pursue sentimentality, this is huge for me. You not only have a fake, but you've lost the relationship. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's not only not real, but the one that was real is gone. Yeah. Yeah. So I said that in the context of, of like parents and their children, mm-hmm. that if you're, if you're having to, um, and I, and I think many times we know exactly what we're doing, where you're having to back shelf unrighteousness, like you're having to put it on the back burner, mm-hmm. um, in order to supposedly save or maintain the relationship. You've already lost the relationship. Yeah. Now, 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 I want to be clear, uh, or maybe a little more nuanced here. That uh, doesn't mean you you th- you go after it all at once. That, I'm not I'm not saying that. It's not just you go at your kid and here's all of your unrighteousness and just lay it out before them and and uh, and pound them into the. I'm not advocating that. So don't don't go hyperbolic on what I'm saying. Use wisdom. There there uh, the Lord also works with us at a at a at a pace by which we won't break. Mm-hmm. So I get that with the kid that you are going to have to pace the um, the speed at which you go after the unrighteousness. I get that, especially if you've been a slacker with your child up until this point. Yeah. So you can't just come in guns blazing, hey son, for, or, hey, son or daughter, for the past five years, I've not been getting on you for these 10 sins, and now all of a sudden I'm going to do it. And Well, yeah, you're going to crush them, mm-hmm. and, and that's just stupid. Don't do that. What I'm talking about, what I'm going after specifically, is you knowingly putting on the back burner unrighteousness in your child's life so that you can feel good about yourself with that child. That's what I'm going after. Mm-hmm. I'm going after that motivation right there. That, that uh, what you're chasing after is just a, a, a feeling of acceptance from your child and wanting to maintain the relationship. What I'm saying is you're making in that, if that's the exchange, you are, you are tossing aside the, uh, the righteousness in your child or what, that, what the righteousness that should be in order to serve yourself. When you're supposed to be protector. Yes. So you're protecting yourself and leaving your child out for the dogs. That's what's happening. And, and, and here's the deal, particularly as, our, as if, if you let that go with your kids and they leave your house, the dogs will get them. Mm-hmm. And then don't stand around and say, well, I just don't know what happened to, to my little Joey. And I don't know what happened to my little Susie. What happened was you fed them to the dogs. Yeah. Most of those wayward people's Instagrams in college, um, look the same or you can follow at least the map all the way back through high school yeah middle school (laughs) it's not sudden it's not new no it's not it's not so so dads you know when it comes to things like sports like don't don't let sports drive unrighteousness into your home don't let the pagan kings of sports run unrighteousness right into your family room mm-hmm. you say well what what do you what do you mean by that I, here a couple caveats I, I don't think that sports are evil necessarily 
It's not what I'm saying. I will say this. I don't think you realize, I don't think most people even listening to this realize that sports in America are anti-family. They are anti-family. They are novel. It's new. Yes. It is, it's a newer phenomenon. And it's <clears throat> uniquely American. Yes. And when I say they're anti-family, what I mean by that is they are, a, they are meant to be an extension of daddy daycare during their daddy state daycare, public schools during the day. Mm-hmm. They're just an extension. Uh, you know, why do we have all these extracurriculars? It's, it's just an extension of the state daycare system we have. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of those kids don't have a safe place to go home, which 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 is great. I, that's that's fine, and and it's probably a good thing in those situations. But that's not most of our families. Um, they need to be at home. They need to be with their parents. They they don't need to be out five, six nights a week, seven nights a week. Like that's just crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then and then letting them do thing do sports instead of church events, things that they should be committed to. Yeah, especially when don't you, even start on that one. <laughs> oh man, well especially like here's where it breaks my heart is especially when I see it happening in a child that I know couldn't care less about their church, about the gospel, about the word of God. Mm -hmm. And then you have their parents stamping that sucker, stamping this other thing that's filling. Maybe if you took that thing away, that's filling that void in their life. Maybe that emptiness that they experience might just be your opportunity to show them that they love this more than they love Jesus. But you keep the idol up on the mantle, up on the wall, up on the shrine, and you take them there, and you feed it to them week in and week out. And that's when you're proud of them. Yeah. And that's when you encourage them. Yeah. And that's when you support them. Do you, do you give them as much praise when they read their Bible or when they come to you with a question from their studies in the Scriptures? Uh, do, do you give them as much praise when when they say, hey, that thing in the sermon, this is where I need to walk in repentance for? I mean, and listen, if not, if not, then you're walking them to hell. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not not playing, and I'm not being hyperbolic. No, I've, and, and I've, listen, I saw this when, in youth ministry forever. And listen, and when they're in hell, they will hate you for it. Mm-hmm. Yep. They will blame you? Yes. And you know what? You will deserve it. Mm-hmm. You earned it, and, and someone's got to say it. And and dads, that that peace that you experience with that right now, it will cost you the relationship with your child later. Mm-hmm. It will. Yep, I have known two successful uh, athletes in my entire life of sports, and I played with thousands of people, like thousands of people. Uh, one was Braxton Miller. Mm-hmm. From Wayne, went on to Ohio State, and kind of in the NFL, and then uh, Taylor Decker, who was not a Christian, <laughs> mm-hmm. he, he played basketball and football at Butler while I was uh, serving in Vandalia, and he used to come over two, three times a week and play basketball in the gym afterwards. Uh, went on to Ohio State and then the Detroit Lions. Still mm-hmm. uh, makes good money, but has uh, is a pagan through and through. Yeah, and so. What do you want for your kids? What <laughs> what are you actually training them for? Yeah. And it's this training aspect that I think that that we're missing in all that. Yeah. 
you know, things like dads and the way your daughters dress, like, like, are you letting the, the pagan gods of our day, uh, dress up your child as a display, um, for the rest of the world to see? And when you're again, back to our, our protect word, you're supposed to protect her. Yeah. Show that that is a treasure to be, to be hidden. Exactly. Or how about fathers and the way your children treat their mothers? Like that, that's on you. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about that in the parenting class. Or how about as spouses, when a husband is unrepentant in his sin, like, all right, so if you're to pursue righteousness and, and, and apart from righteousness, there's not peace, what does that look like with a husband who's in unrepentant sin? Well, it means you got to walk that line real careful that you don't make him uh, unintentionally feel at peace um, lest you paint for him the wrong picture. Mm-hmm. But there, there's got to be like a sense of there is angst here. Like we're not okay. Mm-hmm. And that's that needs to be there. Like, and and I, you got to be mindful of that. And that's hard. Um. But again, we're talking about unrepentant sin, not um, like love covers si- a multitude of sins. Yeah, we're not talking about silly little things, and we're not talking about someone who is repentant and walking in repentance. That, that's that's different. Mm-hmm. That, that's totally different. Um, it's not it's not righteousness. Your your spouse has to be perfect so that you can live in peace. What I'm saying is that unrepentant sin. I'm unwilling to change on this. Um, or how about maybe when your uh, husband's, when your wife offers you Hagar? Awkward. Awkward. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, you know, uh, a recent example, the most recent example I can think of is uh, it's not, unfre- not infrequent for a male in our midst at Christ the Lord, to um, be getting pushed hard and then to run, mm-hmm. right? So when I say run, I mean like he begins to uh, coddle himself. He begins to make excuses for his lack of repentance. He begins to uh, find other things to fill his void than Christ and the Word. Taco Bell. Um, yeah. And then his wife comes and says, because in her mind, right, part of the promise is that if my husband is a Christian, then growth and maturity towards Christ and drawing near to God, that is all part of this promise that that is being worked out in us through the gospel. So then, instead of telling her husband, hey, honey, you're a sinner, and you need to repent. She says, hey, here's Hagar. It's just named Church A or B down the road. I bet you if you go, we go hang out with, with her, the, the promise will be fulfilled. <laughs> yep. And, and so then what, what that wife's doing is I, I, just, I just want some peace here. I just want some family peace. I just want my I, husband I just to feel want, okay. I want my husband to feel okay. And, and apart from righteousness, and you think here's here's just the 
insanity of the moment. You think if I can just find some peace for my husband, that righteousness will come. And that's not the way this works. Mm -hmm. Because all of that unrighteousness is just going to go with him to the next place. I think what's interesting about that particular analogy, like with the Hagar and even with the Bathsheba, uh, specifically a Hagar, is that it's not just go to the other church and lose out on the sanctification that you could have here. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that, I think part of it. I think that's the immediate thinking is like, well, you're missing out on what you could have had here. Yeah. But there's, there's more. Hagar had a child. Yeah. And that has some serious consequences. (laughs) Uh, To today. Yes. (laughs) To to today. Uh, Thousands of years later. That uh, has just ramifications everywhere. And I don't think that they recognize that illegitimate spiritual bastard that ends up coming out. And then the effects that that's going to have generationally yeah. on their family. Yeah, because now what's been taught, like as an example of what you're saying, so not just they're going to miss out on the sanctification here and have to restart it all at the next place, and it's going to take three years for those pastors, if they're even halfway decent ones, and people don't usually choose better churches to go to. They usually choose weaker churches to go to where they can hide more. So it might take them three or four or maybe ten years to finally get around to figuring out what kind of bull crap you've been you've been uh, playing, right? right? <clears throat> so beyond that, to, to, to your thing, what, what's just been reinforced in your husband is that he's not the problem, he's the victim, and now when he goes to the next place, that thought has just been completely reinforced in his mind. So now anytime the next pastor says something, or anytime something else sexy comes along in his life that he can give his life to, and the church becomes inconvenient, guess guess what card he's going to play? He's going to play the card that his wife gave him to play the last time. And that is, well, you know, I'm a victim here. I need to go find, you got another Hagar up your sleeve? No, he'll play that on her, on their own marriage. Absolutely. <laughs> And chase after whatever it is that, that fills that void. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, much more I could say to that, but I have lit up the airwaves uh, already. Slaying kings. We, yeah. Some of that might get me in trouble, but here we go. That's what we're here for. <laughs> Send your emails to Jeff because <laughs> I don't read mine. Yes. Um, <laughs> I would love for him to get an email from an episode that he wasn't in. So if you want to fabricate one of those, that would be hilarious. Go ahead. Remember, it's Jeff at ctldayton.org. There you go. Dot org. What I think is helpful when we consider this, this AR picture to close, kind of close this out, is your last point from Sunday. Consider the greatness of Jesus. Um, what does, particularly even in light of last week and your discussion about patience, of Abraham having patience with Sarah and and the 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 time that God took to to produce Isaac, um, and then even you know it, like twenty five years, right? Well, yeah, but and then to even like shake that with the sacrifice component, you know, mm-hmm. like that patience. When you couple that patience, then we consider Jesus. Like we again have we we love preaching Old Testament. We want you to see as you talked about on Sunday the continuity between them, but. Every time that we talk about that, we're on the other side of Calvary. We're on mm-hmm. the other side of resurrection. We have no excuse yeah. and, and can so clearly see, let alone are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. There's just, 
man, every week you're going to hear us read the word, consider Jesus. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Man, I, let me just read part of that Spurgeon quote again. Oh, yeah. The, on treading the grapes. He said, you may even read the Bible itself without profit if you do not consider as well as read. The wine is not made by gathering the clusters, but by treading the grapes in the wine vat. Under pressure, the red juice leaps forth. Not the truth as you read it, but the truth as you meditate upon it uh, will be a blessing to you. That's when it will be a blessing to you. So he says, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest. See how great this man was. Shut yourself up with Jesus if you would know him. Go, my people, enter into your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide for a very little while until the wrath has passed over you, Isaiah 26, 20. Shelter in Christ there, and the more you consider him, the greater your peace will be. Come and lay your finger into the prints of the nails and thrust your hand into his side. Commune with the personal Christ, whoever lives and evermore. See how great this man was. And so the, the, the beautiful thing here, I, I tend just, it's, uh, it's the way I think, I tend to put things in the negative. So the way I said it on Sunday is you won't get wine from a grape unless you tread it. The positive of that is if you tread it, You'll get wine. I come with wine and bread. <laughs> yes. Why? Because Abraham treaded the grapes. Because mm-hmm. yep. he said, I trust you. And then his righteousness gave, gave birth to works. Mm-hmm. And he brought those as a gift back. Mm-hmm. Said here. And presented it to Melchizedek, a tenth. Yeah. And let's celebrate the covenant together, Melchizedek says. Mm-hmm. It just, it's a beautiful... So, for you and I, I mean, thank God that that the examples of our righteousness does not look like leading thousands of men to go out and physically slay. I mean, for some people it means that. <laughs> but for most of us, it just means reading our Bible and saying no to pagan kings from entering our house. Yes. For most of us, it's just, it's just that. Mm-hmm. That's not much. It's not. And, if, and here's the thing is if you tread out those grapes— you'll have something delicious mm-hmm. on the other side of it. Yeah, there's nothing better than home brews. <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> Sarah and I have yet to plant our vineyard. Right? I've, I've, I've Takes been three years, man. I know. I Get know. started. Right now I'm just having a hard time giving that up for space in which I can grow cows because I like beef more than I like wine. <laughs> so <laughs> I see your point. <laughs> Pretty much all of my pasture land right now that I would use for grapes uh, is fenced off for cattle. Mm, that's so, a tough trade. That's a tough trade. You can always get extra food for the cows. It just costs more than, yeah. Mm. Yeah. These are the dilemmas that we actually have, <laughs> not these other things that seem to be so difficult. You, you know, I'm telling you, listen, I, I, would, I would much rather be giving my time to that dilemma than a lot of the other garbage going on in our world right now. Yeah, just say no to short shorts, daughter. (laughs) That's not the battle we have. The battle we have is to be clothed (laughs) cleanly. (laughs) The the battle of modesty in my household um, uh, is, uh, would you just go take a shower, please? (laughs) Yeah. I bent over one of my children the other day, and I was like, oh, my gosh, you stink. (laughs) <laughs> you smell like chickens. I was gonna say, 
<laughs> I know you've named some of your chickens. I think you should just start calling your actual children chicken names. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just our roosters. <laughs> well, the it's only your boys. <laughs> Continuity. We have Roger, Frank, and Hey Hey. Those are our three roosters. Hey Hey. Yeah. And he, yeah. Funny story, real quick. Uh, he, uh, we're not sure he could breed. He's just tiny guy. I mean, he's like 12 inches tall. Like and, hey, hey. And, my, and my, yeah, like hey, hey. And my, my uh, big rooster, Roger and Frank is the other one. Uh, they're like two feet tall, two and a half feet tall. I mean, they're, they're big roosters. And well, Frank the other day was actually up on top of a chicken. And I saw this as a, a hen, that is. Uh, we'll be clear here. Um, <laughs> you know, even nature. <laughs> I'm walking out of my office and I was, and I, I saw him, and my heart was warmed for Hey Hey. I was like, "Ah, oh, he can do it. Look at that. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> well, Roger was like six feet away, and he just just slowly walks over and just pecks Hey Hey real hard right on top. <laughs> and, and Hey Hey goes, rah, 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 and just, just takes off running across the yard. <laughs> I just saw it. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> Unfortunately, you have you know Darwin smiling at that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was my next thought was, yeah, he probably didn't need to reproduce anyways. <laughs> I can't do much with that size of a chicken. No. So, no, no. fatten you up, drumstick. <laughs> there you go. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, I hope that you have enjoyed this episode. We come bearing bread and wine. I uh, want to bring you and chicken, and chicken on pizza. Ah. Uh, <laughs> Hope this has been helpful. Uh, as always, we want to encourage Super you guys. Super helpful. Well, this is a medium bar here. That's delightful. <laughs> want to encourage you guys to know, love, and obey Jesus is Lord overall. We'll see you next week. See you guys.